<laughs> Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Dan Welbin. Dan is a prep coach and he coaches a lot of really successful figure athletes and he's great at what he does. So I thought it'd be really cool to get him on the podcast to dig it dig into the figure category a little bit and talk about bodybuilding in general. So Dan, first of all, for the listeners, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry as a coach and as an athlete as well? Um, I got into, I'll start as an athlete then I suppose. Um, I got interested in bodybuilding about 2005 or um, six. Did my first competition about 2008 as the first time, obviously. Um, and then just progressed my way through. Um, I started off actually at UKBFF on my first show. Um, yeah. Wasn't keen. Wasn't keen. I don't know if you remember UKBFF. They've kind of died out a little bit now. Um, probably about four or five years ago they died out a bit. But um, yeah, I did my first show then when they were kind of a big thing. And then I moved over to NABA because I wasn't keen on the UKBFF. Um, and then just then it was kind of like you only really did one show a year, maybe two. It's not kind of like it is now. It's not saturated with shows and things like that. So. Um, I did the novices and won that. Well, uh, um, and then a year later after that, then moved um, up into the misters classes and started winning those. Um, I won those misters classes locally in the overalls and whatnot, which then was a big deal for an overall because kind of everybody piled into the same show, um, and it was kind of a big deal in your area as well because, as it well, I think it still is like that with now. But now you're only allowed to compete in your local area; you can't compete outside of. Um, so if you're from Yorkshire, you're doing like the North East example. And if you're from Liverpool, you have to do the North West. You can't kind of move about. So you have to get your qualification there. Um, so, yeah, I won the overall there for a few years. Um, I was doing well at the British and stuff like that. And in 2014, um, yeah, when I was 28, I won the NABBA Universe um, and got my pro card with NABBA. Um, and then unfortunately, I had some bad shoulder problems and I had to get both my biceps reattached. Um, back to back so that took me out for practically a year to be fair the time I'd rehabbed from those because I got one done and then uh, four months later I had to get the other one done so it kind of really threw things off um, and I got back into competing in 2016-17 did all right did a couple of pro shows did a show over in France that got top five in um, which is a really tough show and then I've done the PCA pro shows and stuff since then um, and done all right but more focused on coaching nowadays than my own bodybuilding to be honest I think once I realised I didn't have the potential to go right to the very, very top, um, as it dawns on most of us at some point. Um, other things start to take a bit of a priority, and you get older as well. Yeah, definitely. So when was it that you actually started um, coaching, and who were like your first few athletes? So my very, very, very first one, actually, um, was my mate's missus, just a lad from the gyms. So I was coaching lads at the first, but you got to understand, like, um, going back to sort of 2010-ish, 9, 10, things weren't really the way they was now with coaching. It wasn't actually an industry, really. There was, there was no industry. You got prepped by someone in your local gym that was good at bodybuilding or some guy that owned the gym or was a bit smart and, like, helped a few lads out. And that, that's really all it was. There was no industry. But um, I helped a few lads from the gym. Um, one of them went on to win a British junior title with NABBA. Um, other lads went to win on, like, qualifiers and stuff like that. I didn't actually help a girl out until 2012, I think was the first one. Um, and it was just a mate's missus. She'd competed that year. Um, sorry, she wanted to compete that year and she wasn't very happy with the woman that was helping her out. 
it's like finding a female prep coach then was like they weren't really because it wasn't really a thing do you know what i mean the, the tone figure um back in kind of 2000 then kind of years 2010 11 12 that's kind of like nobody was really that interested apart from the people that were right into it M- me myself that's when i went to the toilet when i was watching a show i wasn't, I wasn't even interested in it in the slightest um, to be honest, just looked at it and thought, nah, it's not bodybuilding. Um, but then I got to help her out. She'd done all right. I think she took like a third or something, a qualifier. Um, and then the following year, um, I helped her girl out called Rebecca Morn, and it was the first ever show. 2013, this is with a NABBA. Um, and she went straight from never competing to winning the NABBA British on a first prep, which then was huge because... Like, thems was the days when there was 35 people on stage at the British finals, because um, that's all the shows there was um, for them to go out. And it was, it was quite a big deal, but it beat quite a lot of big names that had been at it for a few years and whatnot. So, and then it just rolled on from them. So it was never actually started on purpose. It was just one of them things where I was trying to help people out locally. Um, and then somebody else asked us, which actually turns out to be my missus now, I've got a kid with and that. Um, she went on to win her show. And then off the back of that, someone else asked me, and then it just kind of developed from there. So it's not something I got into on purpose. Um, but I definitely, looking back, I didn't think it at the time. I just couldn't understand why nobody else would have seen it. But seemed to have a bit of a knack for it. Um, so then obviously the more and more people asked, the more and more people I was helping, the more people was winning, and blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of rolled on from that. And just I kind of moved away from personal, because I was personal training at the time, moved away eventually from just personal training, regular people um, in a fitness gym. Um, to kind of focusing all my business on that and that just really developed through kind of 14, 15, 16, 17 um, and obviously to where it is today. Yeah, that's really cool though that like it sort of you progressed organically because you were really good at it rather than you consciously being like right I want to be an online coach and I want to prep people it sort of was very organic. Well I didn't actually move online until 2019 only two years ago on the last proper bodybuilding year that we had um, I was against it for a long time. I was just I was helping the girls out in the gym, and they were tra- I was so I was running it through my personal training business. So I was kind of doing 30, 35 hours a week personal training, and they were all booked in as clients, and they were kind of travelling from all over Yorkshire and quite far away. Some of them like two hours away, Coventry and stuff, which is quite far from us. Um, and it was kind of booked up like that because I just didn't want to move online. Cause at, at that time, I didn't believe that you could get as good a result, and I just didn't want to let go from what I knew, which was. Um, just seeing them in the flesh, talking to them in the flesh, getting a real feel of everything, what's going on and stuff like that. So in my head at that time, I thought that that was the only way and I didn't want to let go of it. Um, until early 2019, somebody convinced me to give them a go. They kind of worked the way around me um, a little bit. So I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And you know, Michaela McDonald there. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, she she talked me into it. She twisted my arm <laughs> for the girl because the girl was posing with her and she, she managed to twist my arm because she's one of my um, close friends, Taylor. Um, and I did and she won the overall and she won the, the other show that she did and stuff like that. So like, um, I thought, well, it's not it's not that hard actually. And then so I just took on um, 10 girls for the end of 2019. Um, God, they did so well. They won, they won all the shows. They won. Rhea actually won a pro card at the PCA finals. Won the tone figure at the finals. Um, won loads of athletic figure qualifiers and overalls and all sorts. We just smashed it. So that was it after that. And then obviously we rolled into 2020 and everything just kind of died on its ass. Um, I took a few clients through that year. Um, the, the small bit of season we did get at the end of the year. Um, the girl, the few girls that were competing did really well. And um, we had some overalls there and kind of 
close to pro cards at one of the IFBB shows we did with Ellis and things like that. So, yeah, and then obviously we're moving into 20. I just want to get some shows up in man so we can compete. Yeah, I know. Um, I really got, want the season to like kick back off again because it's, yeah, it's not the same when there's no shows. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's all, I mean, it's all right. But I'm somebody who likes to be on with stuff. I like to be doing things. I like to be seen. Obviously, they're progressing in the off-season, but that's kind of a slower thing and they're not training in the gym. You'll know. You've got all kinds of yourself. You know how it is at the minute. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just busting to get the gyms off, and so we can get them back, and get them back on stage, and just doing what we do, because that's where I get all my kind of um, I don't know where to use thrills, probably the wrong word, but buzz. You know what I mean? That's where I get my buzz from every weekend when we're competing. Who's going to win? Who's not going to win? And all the rest of it. Yeah, that's really cool. And so when someone approaches you as an athlete, can you usually tell which category they are going to be suited to pretty much straight off the bat? Yeah, some. I don't think it's as clear-cut, and you'll know this, I don't think it's as clear-cut always as what you might think. Um, and it's surprising the way people develop from there. So some people, you can see it straight off, yeah? So yeah. they've got clavicles wider than the front door, and they've got a tiny little waist. And the things sweep off here and sweep off there, and they're kind of thicker in the muscle. You know which way they're going. Um, some girls look like nothing, like nothing, and then they get lean, and you're like, fuck, where did all that come from? So you don't always know everything until... They take the fat off for the first time. Um, some girls are a hybrid. They can jump between the bikini-toned and the figure-toned categories, as many have done successfully um, last, last year or the year before, should I say. It's happening quite a lot because the criteria are very similar. All other shapes are not always similar, but if you sat somewhere in the middle with your natural shape, you can definitely jump from one to the other. Um, and then there's your other extremes, which definitely sit in bikini, and the extremes which definitely sit in figuring. They can't move out of there. So, yeah, I think... The way things are with the categories and the way you see what, what you kind of got to understand is when we put the PCA together and put together as the women's categories, at that time there was only the UKBSS, which was bikini, um, body fitness, which is like athletic figure, um, and then physique or whatever it is. But then the categories I don't really get involved in. Um, and then NABA was tone figure, athletic figure, and then obviously trained, which is the bigger category, which also I don't really get involved in. But so when we formed it, there's a lot of people come from the UK BFF and I came from NABA. They brought me in from that side to kind of look after that side of things and the women's women's um, criteria and stuff, which I, I did put together originally for PCA when they formed. Um, and I had to really battle tooth and nail to get the figure categories in the PCA. If it wasn't for that fight that we put up for about two months, we won't even have a tone figure in the PCA now or an athletic figure. It would have been all the UK BFF categories. But I think Ryan, who runs the PCA, was a very, very smart kid. Um, he could see where I was coming from, and obviously as well as the Bikini and UK BFF side. So we decided to do both. So I think that's why when people get confused, that um, like they think tone figures above Bikini, which it's kind of not. It's, I, I don't know if well, you won't be able to see that if it's just an audio, but I'm explaining to you. You've got to kind of think of like figure on one rung on one side and Bikini on the other, and the developers they go through as two totally different entities as opposed to bikini then tone figure then athletic figure then trip etc etc so it's two kind of development routes of just different presentation and posing if you kind of see what i mean on that yeah and right. do you i've answered the question yeah no you did really really well actually Dan. <laughs> I remember so, what the question was. <laughs> no that was perfect and do you think it's possible for someone who is because we see this quite a lot uh, nowadays. Do you think it's possible for someone who's a really successful bikini competitor to transition over to figure and be really competitive in that category? 
Yeah, definitely so. And I've seen and, and I've seen it in the reverse as well. I've seen people moving that was decent tone figure competitors. Um, Phoebe Goodwin as a as a prime example, to be fair. Um, it was a really good tone figure competitor, quite at the top of a game with that. Um, and then she shifted over to bikini I saw this year and, and smashed that as well. So it's just about most of it's about presentation. Um and you can kinda jimmy your body into certain um appearances to suit the category that you're trying to hit. Yeah, definitely. And I get quite a, asked quite a lot what the difference is between the different figure categories within the PCA and NABA. So what is the difference between the figure categories? So toned, trained, athletic, and how would you distinguish the difference between the two, the three? Um, what, from federation to federation you mean, or...? From, like from within the, the so within the PCA obviously there's there's toned there's trained and athletic so what would the difference between those three be between those just development and condition yeah that's really all it is um, and obviously this is where a lot of people kind of get stuck because th- there should be a clear cut difference between toned figure athletic figure and trained figure yeah but you've got to also understand it, it works on a sliding scale from one end to the other. And at some point, there has to be a transition between tone to the bottom end of athletic. So very top end tone, very bottom end of athletic. And that's where people get confused because sometimes, and it does happen, because you can only judge what's in front of you on a stage, um, somebody might be a little bit leaner one weekend for a tone competition. Then the next week, depending on who turns up, somebody might win the athletic or might not even be quite as sharp as the tone, although they should be. Um, but just because of the circumstances of the day, that's what seems to throw a lot of people off. So what I'll generally try and do, depending on the body, um, myself is try and push to the limit of that kind of where that, t- before that ties over into the next category, because you're going to be able to show more and display more, as long as that suits the physique, um, to then to then be able to push for the wins. Well, yeah, so basically the difference is just development. Tone figures, obviously, the entry point. Um, and you don't really want to be able to see like thigh separation and like striations too much in the delts or too thick in the back. And then athletic, you do want to see those things, but you don't want to see striated glutes or striated quads as opposed to separation in the quads. And then train figure is just a bigger version again, which is like basically diced, but not too big to the point where it would look like um, ladies physique, which we don't have in categories anyway. Yeah. If someone was sort of on on the borderline, say was someone someone was on the borderline between um, toned and the category up from that, would you usually suggest that they um, veer more so they enter the the toned category if they had to compete on like that specific weekend, but they were really borderline? Would you usually advise that they go for the category down or the category up? Well, in that scenario, it'd be best choosing the category down if they're very borderline because. With the PCA especially, um, the worst thing that's going to happen is they get moved up into the next category. Yeah. Um, so if, if the borderline, you're best off chasing your lower option and then um, thingy. But our jobs as coaches is to try and not let that happen. And I've had so many situations in the past where, because um, I do it on purpose, like I'm chasing the top end of the category a lot of the time. Um, and I'll sit, I've sat there in the crowd, because more so at British finals when you're trying to push the condition a little bit more. I've sat, I've sat there in the crowd, biting my fingers, just just because a lot of the time they get pulled to the front and then taken through the compulsories in NABA. Um, and it's happened to me so many times at the British finals where I've been thinking, fuck me, not today, not today, not today. <laughs> and then they get kept in the same category and, and generally win when, when that's the case scenario. But 
yeah, I've had that quite a lot of times. It's a game that I used to play more so at the Nabba shows um, a few years ago. But it always, it always, I never had any time when it didn't pay off. But yeah, I've, I've shit myself a few times watching. <laughs> yeah, that's it's cool that they do move people if they think that they're suited to um, another category. And obviously, because you know the the criteria quite well, you can sort of like push that borderline. Um, yeah. Have you? When people get moved, do you usually find that they do quite well in the category that they get moved to? Yeah, they do. And it's weird that it's a phenomenon that we've even noticed um, ourselves as, as like uh, judges when we spoke in the past that we noticed that happens. And yeah, I'm not sure why that is, to be honest. I don't know if it's like a, just a coincidence or yeah, I, I've noticed over the last few years that, that that happens. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite cool though. Mm. And it's like I yeah. said, it's good that they do move them if they think they're more suited to another category rather than just keeping them in the category and them not doing as well as they'd hoped. Um, yeah, yeah. It's usually me that gets to shout down the table to have a look. <laughs> <laughs> they'll shout down to me and they'll say, oh, do you want pulling out and blah, blah, blah. And then so, so if people have been moved and they're pissed off, they'll have me to blame. <laughs> yeah. And yeah generally, often- not always. Do you often get um, athletes who maybe change between the figure categories or do they usually stick with um, the one, so either toned, athletic or trained? In, in what way do you mean, sorry? Like maybe from one season to another, do you find that athletes usually stick with one category or they are quite prone to changing? It depends how fast they're developing. Um, so myself with my own girls, I can only kind of speak on that. Um, but I never purposely push them in in a general direction. If if the bodies, I will I will encourage them and push them. And, um, if the bodies are naturally going to go that way, but we never try and force anything that's not going to fit. Um, but I've had loads of girls over the years that have just gone between toned and athletic. Um, it's kind of like once you've had a girl for two, three, four years, you're going to see them progress. They can't be training in the gym and, and not and not move up unless either the training like shit or the genetics are not meant to be up for that. But I've actually had one girl who, um, and I don't look after anyone in the train category because I don't like to get involved in the kind of heavy drug side of things. Do you know what I mean? Not that they're all taking heavy drugs, but it's just not for me, you know? Um, and I've had one girl that started off toned and then within a year or two, she was in athletic. Um, and then the next year she was in trained and she won every time actually. Yeah. Um, a, yeah, a girl called Emma Jones. She's, she's wrapped in a bit, a little bit now. She's got um, EDS where like all your joints and that, that fall into bits and go lax and stuff she's a bit buggered at the minute but yeah she, she did amazingly well she won all the tone stuff then the athletic british and welds and everything um then she moved up into the trend on a final season in 2019 and won all the other qualifiers and stuff like that yeah that's really cool and it just shows like the progress that can be made if you really push push your limits with like training and stuff like that yeah i, I couldn't hold her back man i couldn't i couldn't it just a body was just doing it. It's not. It's nothing we were specifically doing. It's just like you just got to go with what's happening here. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of assistance, how prevalent would you say that the use of assistance is amongst figure categories and between the different figure categories as well? Um, like I say, I'm no expert on train figure. I'm sure they get up to all sorts of things that I've, I don't want involving with. So I'll just stick with the. Um, and that that was the thing with the girl I was just talking about you see we never nothing ever changed from being moving to athletic to train she just a body just did that so that was why I was fine with taking her up into train because we never had to do anything different to what a ton figure girl would do if you see what I'm saying yeah um but 
<laughs> what was the question? Oh yeah, drugs within them categories. Um, I think it's more prevalent than it should be. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's not it's not something everybody has to do. And you know this from um, Zena that you had up. I've had I've had girls. I had girl won the Nabba Universe completely natural. Um, won the Nabba British numerous times, and then PCA Britishes in the tone three categories totally natural. Um, it just depends on the genetic, you know. If, if they're going to respond, then they don't need anything. Um, and if the if the what did I just say? If they do respond, they don't need anything. If they don't respond, sometimes it needs a little bit of encouragement, but never anything major, you know. Like if you start looking at things that are going to start changing people's voices and Facebook features, then you should probably take up maybe CrossFit or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and are there any particular? So when it comes to training with the girls in the figure category would you say that there's any particular training splits that you sort of veer towards and that you've had success with with figure athletes in particular i've had success with every single training split you could possibly think of upper lower push pull legs push pull legs upper lower bro split which was common that we all used to do kind of back um before this push pull legs came popular we was all doing that um i've had people win the highest titles you can get with every different single thing. It, training's training, eh? So one thing that I don't really do too much with figure girls is chest. Don't really do any chest training until they move into athletic figure. Um, I think on a tone figure body, it looks weird to have a pec split and stuff like that. It doesn't look very nice. Unless they've got a kind of like bony chest, When that, in that scenario, I'd have somebody training chest. So usually I'd just probably put one, maybe two chest exercises in a week just for shoulder stability. Because I noticed years back when I was not doing any chest work with them because I didn't want them to have any kind of development there. Um, they, they were picking up injuries a lot quicker and I, and I soon figured out that the shoulder stability was off because everything was trained pulling back and out to the side but nothing in front. So, well, yeah, so I'll just generally have them maybe doing a bench press a week or something like that. And then have them start training chest as they move up into athletic. But apart from that, um, it just depends how far along somebody's training journey that they are, if they're brand new to it, you're going to be up or lower. Um, if they've been training a good few years and they've kind of maxed themselves out on that, which is, takes longer than you think, I think, a lot of the time. Maybe a push for legs and then maybe migrating to push for legs up or lower. Do you know, it, I've, I've got no, I'm not really set on anything. I just, I just do what, I just work with what's in front of me and I go from there. So I think yeah. that's why if anyone, anyone was ever trying to learn from anything from me, they wouldn't be able to because I just have so many different, I'll just literally take what they've got at that time and I'll just go from that point. So there's so many different ways to do things. Um, we shouldn't box ourselves off with limiting I ourselves with set ways. Yeah, it's actually really good to hear you say that because I think there's so many coaches in the industry which will sort of they'll have a certain approach in terms of training or nutrition and they'll be so dead set dead set on that and they'll almost act as though that's the only way to to do things when in reality there's so many different ways in which you can progress and um different ways will work for different people so it's really refreshing yeah. to hear you say that just run with that's that's one of the things that actually annoys me about the whole instagram thing that everyone kind of preaches that the only one way to do this and one way to do that and kind of I think the guilt people out which is what winds me up because I have girls coming to me saying well they're doing this and like they're doing that and I'm like unfollow them do you know what I mean because there's so many different ways to do everything and not everything works for everybody um I think the major thing at the minute is more with nutrition as well is that like everybody can eat loads of food everyone can get ripped on loads of food and unfortunately it's just not it's just not true some poor fuckers have got to get down there to the 11 1200 calories like 
and 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 like an hour on the stairmaster to nail that fucker out to get ready. It's just as much magic potions as people think they've got. They haven't, and then they'll display certain athletes, or athletes will display themselves that are more gifted. Don't get me wrong; I've had girls getting like inside out on two thousand calories. It's not too more than that. Sometimes it's not it's not an uncommon. Well, sorry, it is an uncommon thing. Everybody's more in the middle ground. But some poor folks, they've got to suffer. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's just how it is. Yeah. And I'm sure like you'll do everything you can to make sure that they don't have to dig unnecessarily hard, but some people just have to do that, don't they? Yeah. That, this is exactly where the breakdown in communication has, has come from all of this. It's come from back five, six, seven years ago, whatever, before everyone started moving things around a bit. Um, coaches and athletes doing it to themselves just diving straight in from the from the top end of the prep and just, right, I've been eating all this in the off-season, right, down to 1,200 calories straight on your prep. And that's where the breakdown in communication has come from because then everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't have to starve people, you shouldn't have to do this, be breaking the metabolisms and blah, 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 and all this shite. When in reality, that was the message that they were trying to convey from that point, which has now changed into you should be two weeks out eating 4,000 grams of carbs a minute and fucking laying down because you don't have to exert yourself too much and make sure your recovery is on point and fucking blah, blah, blah. And, and that's a lot of the time then you'll see people not turning up in shape because they're so focused on doing that, but not as focused on... And I'm not, I'm not um, condoning like starving people, do you know what I mean? It's just like some people got to do it, some people got to do it. And a good coach will know and obviously not to do it to everybody and just where it applies sometimes they've got to get down and if, if you don't have to do it then you don't have to do it but that's where it's come from everyone just starting off preps at stupid low calories and fucking murdering themselves for 16 weeks and then having problems at the end of it yeah it all comes back to doing what's right for the individual and like finding that middle ground rather than having to be at an extreme end of the spectrum um so yeah i completely agree with that and in terms of nutrition what approach do your athletes follow so like do they follow a meal plan and i know you've said everything's individual so there's no like set number of calories that they follow or anything like that but what sort of approach in general do they follow yeah meal plan uh meal plan between five six sometimes seven meals a day um, if there's seven, obviously they're going to be small. It depends what fits around their days and things like that. Um, I never go below five meals a day. Um, protein set usually kind of anywhere between 20 and 30 grams a meal, depending on how big they are um, and how many meals there is, obviously. And then everything after that's just suck and see whatever they get on with. Some people get on with carbs, some people don't. Some people like fat, some people don't. It's just just whatever. That's why it's good to work right for off seasons with people. Um, it's a pain in the ass when someone tries turning up at like 16 weeks out and wants to do a show and you're like, you don't want to help them, but then you're like, I've absolutely no fucking clue what you've been doing for the last God knows how long. No matter how much they tell you, I don't mean to say you've been watching from week to week, what does what and noticing patterns of this and patterns of that. And you do, and like knowing, even if you go for a mini cut, some people lose weight fast, some people lose weight slow. Some people need carb cycling. Some people need just look, do you know what I mean? It's, it's all very individual. So um, it's better to just work with someone for a prolonged period of time for definite. Yeah. And out of interest, do you know how much food someone can handle through a prep and through their off season? Do you find that that's sort of related to how much muscle tissue they're carrying or commonly do you think it's just completely like individual? Um, yeah, that is a factor. It's not the only factor. Um, but I think, I mean, a lot of it's genetic. I mean, come on, we, 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 all, we all try and like kid ourselves that genetics don't get involved in bodybuilding, but fuck me, it's, it's the main, 
it's the main component and that's why a lot of people get kind of butt hurt by it but um the amount of muscle tissue how hard to train how hard to train and you've got to kind of um, see that and obviously i have all my girls sending me training videos when, when we're in the gyms and stuff they can't send me much at the minute but they're trying um but watching someone take how far they take themselves within sessions is obviously so much difference in what's um burned calories wise and just generally used up and um, throughout the day from how hard they train so that's that's a huge factor um so you'll wonder why some people um they seem as though they can hardly eat nothing about out getting fat and then you see them training and you're like well you're not fueling nothing and <laughs> you're, not, you're not repairing nothing <laughs> nothing's breaking so what do you think the food's for you know yeah and do you do you encourage your girls to train all the way to failure or do you encourage like a different model of progression no failure <laughs> yeah failure is where it's at it's i mean there's, there's different types of failure um sometimes beyond failure I like them to go there's sometimes i like some drop sets in there and stuff like that one thing that seems to have got lost with modern training principles is things like i think they're making a bit of a comeback now actually which i did predict this would happen when everyone was laughing at it but drop sets um cluster sets um i think supersets haven't made a comeback yet but i'm sure they probably will at some point but just general like volume accumulation and just pump work as they used to call it um and just pushing kind of it's all right pushing all the heavy weights, but I noticed, I mean, I noticed this on myself because I tried all this stuff on myself when everything came popular. Obviously, new things come out, you're going to try them. Um, and just training the straight sets to me um, to failure. Yeah, yeah, some muscle got built, but I never looked full. I always looked kind of flat and just a bit beaten. So as soon as I've moved back to, which I've done over the last six months or so, to drop set work and some high rep stuff and some clusters. Um, I've just blown back up and I noticed it with a lot of girls as well um, that have either come from training like that or they've just been training like that, whatever, and they've never really experienced drop sets. I mean, some of them don't even know what they are, like drop sets and things like that or rest pauses because um, if they've entered the game in the last couple of years, um, the people who are pushing um, the social media at the highest points, they're, they're not really into that kind of stuff. So they think they laugh like, ha, <laughs> what's a drop set? But yeah. Do a fucking drop set, you'll find out, fucker. <laughs> yeah, I think like it just, it's one of them things that trends come and go in, especially with training yeah. Um, yeah. and nutrition within bodybuilding, because there'll be someone with like a really big following, they'll start doing a certain approach, everyone will start following that. And yeah, that's it, exactly it. Yeah, when in reality, a yeah. lot of the time, the basics work and it's about finding an approach that an individual enjoys and that is able to progress with. Yeah, that's a massive point that I did miss. It's what they enjoy as well. That's that's part of it. I mean, personally, I love I love all that kind of training with a little bit of pump work with it. But it, yes, it needs to be noticeable on your feet, the physique, and yes, it needs to bring results. But you need to enjoy it, man. You need, you need to want to go to the gym. If you don't like doing up a lower and, and nailing stuff every couple of days, you, you're not going to get any better because you don't want to be there. If you prefer to spread things out and train less frequently or more frequently, then you've got to find that pattern as well. And all that stuff's kind of within um within the check-ins that i have and stuff this is the kind of information that i'm seeking um because i kind of want everybody to be i don't want everyone to be like bitches you know what i mean and like i'm trying to pussy out of everything but i want them to be happy within what they're doing yeah and do but you quit anyway yeah do you make sure that your girls have a certain number of rest days over the week or is that um again completely individual yeah that's definitely individual but to be honest as a general rule training five days a week is all right 
six, you, you need, an, you need you, I don't think you're probably training hard enough if you can train six days a week. I think you can give a bit more. I mean, obviously, volume's accumulated over a week as opposed to from session to session. But if you was to spread it out, I mean, you could, from that ruling, you could spread it all your volume out within seven days. And But you need a day to just sit and do nothing. Well, not necessarily do nothing. You might be busy, but like not train, get your head out of the gym, recover properly mentally as well as physically and give just that little bit less stimulation. So some girls will train four days a week. Um, it depends on the schedules and things like that. You can still make great results off four days a week. Some of the bigger guys are back to training three days a week at the minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think four or five is five is probably most common. Six is too much. Yeah, I agree with that, to be honest. And in terms of the the successful athletes that you coach or have coached in the in the past, have you found that there's any particular character traits that those athletes have that enable them to be so successful? Yeah, psychopaths. <laughs> Complete fucking psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true that they're just, they're just the undeterrable and they're generally quiet about it they're not shouting I'm this and I'm tough and I'm all that they just get on with what they need to get on with um and you'll have had this you have people come and start with you and they're like I'm gonna do this I'm smashing that and they're a million miles an hour with everything and then three four months down the line they're just completely mentally burned out um and they've had enough whereas the person who's just there ticking boxes ticking boxes ticking boxes chugging away for weeks months years they're the ones that get on with it and obviously you can't always tell with everybody before they start a prep you definitely can't um, some people i mean um, I'll, I'll openly admit i thought these fuckers aren't going to last a prep no chance and they've absolutely smoked it straight through like wow and then somebody i've thought god these guys would be a piece of piss to these they're intense man and then four weeks in they're like i want an ice cream and blah 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 and they just packed bodybuilding is not for everybody remember it's not like i know it's been made a popular thing that i think everybody can do but to push your body down to them limits, and especially as a female, I think, who's kind of fighting an uphill battle a lot of the way, unless they're using things they probably shouldn't be, they're, they are fighting an uphill battle. Um, you, need to be, you need to be tough, man. You know, it's not, it's not for everybody. Um, and I don't, just, I don't um, what's the word? I've not got any lack of respect for anybody that it's not for. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I prefer somebody hold their hands up and admit it um, earlier on. But yeah, they're just, so general character traits would just be that. They're generally the organized person, Person who don't let stress build up too much. Um, I can get just fucking stressed over nothing, you know what I mean, and have wobblers and that. They're fairly straight-headed. Um, and, and yeah, just, just, them, they're just silently tough, generally. Yeah. And do you find those people are just as consistent and resilient during the off-season as they are during prep as well? Generally, yeah. Um, but I think looking at them, the... The guys who are probably better know how to take the foot off the gas a little bit in the off season as well. So obviously, when you're coaching, it, it, you've kind of got to make some allowances for people that they might want to drink now and again. They might want to take the foot off the gas for a week here and there. It's not to be at it 365 a year, which that's getting preached at the minute as well. Um, no bodybuilder, fucking no bodybuilder that has been competing for the last 5, 10, 15 years has had their foot on the gas 365 days a year, unless yeah. they've got severe psych psychological problems. No, they, they just haven't. That's not possible. So to take the foot off the gas here and there, and this is what I will tell people when I'm, when I'm coaching with them, like, I'm not saying being a lazy fuck and just start cheating all the time and go out on the piss every weekend because you're not going to get far when you're doing that. 
but they, they, they know how to kind of mentally relax themselves through the off season as well. Uh, whether it be through nature or nurture, and they've learned how to be like that, or that's just the way they are, and then they're going to have a better prep when it comes around to it. But I think if you're all consumed and watching frigging YouTube channels constantly every day and listening to what that person's saying and watching what this person's eating and listening to this motivational speech from people that are probably mentally suffering themselves on Instagram anyway half the time, um, then you're just going to fry yourself. So you've got to kind of kick back when you um, need to. I mean, the off-season, don't get me wrong, you've got to put the graft in, you've got to eat all the food, you've got to not... Um, you've got to make sure every box is ticked, otherwise you're never going to make any progress. Um, but you also need to learn how to kind of chill here in there as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. It's like flipping that switch and knowing when to like lock in That's and it. really turn it, turn it on. And when you can sort of like allow yourself a little bit of leeway so that you're ready to go into prep when it does roll around. Yeah, so on, I mean, it's not directly associated with that, but on my meal plans that I give, and I'm obviously, I don't, well, people probably know I'm a meal plan guy because I don't like the macros thing for bodybuilding, so I don't think it quite cuts it. But I will allow a degree of movement on that through the day as well. So say I've got somebody eating 2,300 calories. They might have like 1,900 calories per day from the meal plan, which is all proper food, is rice, chicken, all the things that you need to eat to like consistently get better. They are given 400 calories leeway on whatever they want. So if they want to go for a coffee with a pal, they can go for a coffee with the pal. If they want to save them 400 for a couple of days and have the mum's pasta on a bloody Wednesday or whatever, or and I, I'll usually put in a cheat meal once a week as well, sometimes generally anyway. Um, so they can go out with a boyfriend or their husband or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So you've still got to, in my eyes, that's the best of both worlds in the off season. Um, you've got everything coming in what you need to progress. And you've also got some leeway to kind of live your life. So there's, there shouldn't really be an excuse for needing to wiggle out of that. Um, because what more are you going to need every day than 400 calories worth of junk? If you want to take it from junk, some people just put it in their oats or put some peanut butter in this or have a protein bar or whatever, do you know? But the, the option is there for them so they don't feel like they're locked in prison 365 days a year trying to be intense. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good that you give them a bit of flexibility. And there's no, in reality, there's no inherent downsides in that and I'd actually argue that there's probably more downsides to trying to be a hundred percent like to the gram every single day and not having any flexibility whatsoever for most people that's going to be more damaging than having a little bit of flexibility here and there they'll end up depressed man and that what goes a depressed person to anybody they're not gonna get far like that are they staffed no and what is your biggest pet peeve in the industry um, I wish I'd read them questions now. <laughs> Had I got you a list? <laughs> a massive shopping list. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm only joking. To be fair, just I let people get on with whatever they get on with. I appreciate everyone's trying to run the businesses and they're promoting this, um, this and that. And it just, I think we've already spoke about it. To be honest. I think people shoving their ideologies so far down people's throat that they think there's no other way. Um, you've got to train push-pull legs or you've got to train fucking this and that you've got to do that you've got to blah 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 you've got to eat like this you've got to be it's just too much man you just let people get on with what they want to get on with and unfortunately um if then if these people that are doing that have got a huge following and are almost like to the point of being a cult um then they're i don't know if i blame the people for doing it or if i blame the people for listening to it i don't know if i can decide which one it is well, I mean, obviously they feel passionately about the way that they think, but 
I just think if you're ramming things down people's throat like that, then I don't know. I just don't like it. I think there's many, as we already discussed a, a bit earlier, there's so many different ways to do things. Um, trends come and go, as you mentioned, like um, certain trends come and go every two to three years. It was post-workout Pop-Tarts one minute, then it was Rice Krispie Squares the next, and then it's cut and that's, then people don't want to be in refined foods and this and that next. It's just, it moves every two to three years. And because I've been around quite a long time, when I'm not like old or anything, I'm only in my mid-30s, but like I've been around long enough to see a lot of different trends over the last kind of, what, 15 years um, since I kind of got involved. I know that I'm very much stepped back from that and I just let things come and go. But I just think when you're, when you're pushing all these things onto the young kids and they think that it's the only other way, the only way to do things that that kind of gets on my tits but apart from that I'd let everyone get on with what, whatever they get on with yeah and I think there's an element of people need to have almost an element of responsibility for what they consume and what they take in so people should for example like I'm saying to my girls all the time don't compare yourself to other people on social media if someone's like making you think a certain way that's not productive then mute them or unfollow them and just spend a bit less time on there in general but also I think the way that some of these people with big followings are makes people feel guilty for being any other way but the way that they are in a way so I think there's a responsibility on both parts like from the fitness professionals and from the people consuming the content yeah definitely um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the Instagram thing. I've actually brought people off, clean off Instagram on preps. It's part of the weekly instructions to stay off fucking Instagram. Because um, it bends the heads out and they just question everything what they're doing themselves. Like, why are I doing that? Why? I'll tell you one thing I did miss, but I should have thought of this actually when you're on about pet peeves. And it's actually to do with the drug thing that some of the women will push and sort of say is acceptable and, and this and that. And some of these girls, and some of them are young man that I've seen doing it, like early 20s young, and they say, no, you're all right taking Decker and NPP and frigging Primo and all these things that I've physically watched people's voices and facial features change over the last 10 years when I've been talking to these. And they all, I'm going to upset some people now. And then they'll be like, it's all right. You, you know what it is? It's my voice. My voice sounds all right. And, and they don't. They sound like Robocop. But then the young girls think like that because they've got all the muscular development from that, then they want to follow that as well. What you can't see on Instagram is everything's filtered, everything's calmed down on the facial side of things and things like that. And some of these young girls have ended up fucked up. And I put some stuff up on my Instagram yesterday because somebody asked me what my thoughts on was on Primo or some, I think it was Primo or MPP for girls. And I put an answer up um, that can change your voice. And I had a lot of inboxes from girls in the 20s saying, I wish I'd have known this, I wish I'd have seen this, I wish I'd have known this before I tried this and that. And it infuriates me because... They say, no, I can't remember what one of them said. They sound like a freaking King Kong or something. I can't remember some some funny term that she said. But like, I just felt so sorry for them, man, because them voices aren't going back. They're not, yeah. they're not going back to normal. And the, the family's noticing and the friends are noticing. Everybody's around them noticing. Nobody's saying anything to them, most likely, because people don't, because they're too polite. Um, but at that point, it's fucked. And that's because what? They wanted to take a bit extra harsher drugs um, and, and all the rest of it, or they've got them drugs in the fake and this and that it's just yeah that that really gets under my skin like hugely gets under my skin yeah I think people need to be really careful with the assisted side of bodybuilding and I think people sometimes make decisions before they've actually considered the potential consequences of 
taking what they're taking. Um, yeah. And they, I think people sometimes naively trust their coach more than they should when they're maybe yeah, suggesting they, they, certain things. Yeah, they need to do their own research. And practically every single one of my clients that has come to me and said that they want to move into that side of thing. And I'll say, look, this is the advice what I would give for you to do or use and the, the amounts of it. Um, go in, do your own research. Go look on um, the internet, read up as much as you can on what I've told you. Find out all your own information, speak to other people, because ultimately it's your decision. Like, I'm not telling you nothing what to do. You're telling me what you want to do, and, I, and I'm telling you what's the safest way to do it, in my opinion, for experience. I'm not, I'm not a scientist or anything. Um, and then if you want to do it, we can do that. That's fine. I'll make sure you get set up safely. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's their bodies and their, their lives, and they, they want to do that. So they need to take some responsibility for that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um, but no, thank you for that, Dan. It's You're been welcome. amazing to have you on the podcast. And I think this will be a really insightful one for people to listen to. Um, where can people oh, find Dan. you? On... Sorry, Danny, I lost you for a minute. Then you were frozen. Oh, sorry about that. I was just saying it's been really great to have you on the podcast. And I'm sure that people will find this really insightful and interesting to listen to. Where can people find you on social media? And what's your like email address if people want to get in contact? <laughs> Let's not bring up my email address. That's a running joke. Oh, really? <laughs> I've, had same, I've had the same email address since I was 16 and I'm, I don't change it. <laughs> So everyone, all my, all my clients take the piss when I give them a piff. I'll, I'll leave it like that because I think it's funny. Um, just Instagram, Dan Wellburn. Um, I'm on there. That's, that's the only really platform. It was Facebook a little bit, but not much. Um, I can't send an email to save my life, as you found out when I was trying to set up this Zoom call. Not very good with technology. Um, that's why I run all my check-ins through WhatsApp, not emails, because I'm an absolute chimp. Um, but yeah, just Instagram. If anyone wants to speak to me or contact me, or if they need any advice or anything, just drop me a holler, man. If it saves you wrecking something that you might be about to wreck, then I'd rather you just reach out, you know? Yeah. I'll put your Instagram handle in the description below. So if anyone wants to get in touch, they can do. But thank you so thank much you. for joining us. It's been really amazing to have you on the podcast and I really appreciate your time. Of course.